0: It's Wednesday, March the 4th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, a big day for Biden and the Fed's half-point rate cut. First the world in brief. A resurgent Joe Biden won a string of delegate-rich southern states in America's Super Tuesday, the biggest day of voting in the contest for the Democratic presidential nomination. Bernie Sanders, who started the week as the clear favourite, was projected to place first in California and possibly Texas, the states with the greatest number of delegates, as Espresso was published. America's Federal Reserve lowered its benchmark interest rate by half a percentage point, the largest single cut since the financial crisis. The move came after a pledge by finance ministers and central bankers from the G7, a group of the world's biggest rich countries, to use all appropriate policy tools to combat the economic downturn caused by the spread of COVID-19. President Donald Trump recently repeated his complaint that Fed rates were too high. With 36 seats, Binyamin Netanyahu's Likud party will be the largest in Israel's next Knesset. Benny Gantz's centrist Blue and White Alliance won 32, but with Mr Netanyahu's right-wing coalition still two seats shy of a majority and his trial on charges of bribery and fraud due to begin on March 17th, his troubles are not over yet. Mount Merapi, Indonesia's most active volcano, erupted, spewing ash over towns and villages up to 10 kilometers away. The authorities enforced a three kilometer exclusion zone around the crater near the country's cultural center, Yogyakarta. They are mindful of previous eruptions. In 2010, more than 3,000 people were killed and more than 300,000 forced to evacuate. Inflation in the Eurozone fell to 1.2% year-on-year in February, down from 1.4% in January and well below the European Central Bank's target of nearly 2%. The fall was attributed mainly to a 0.3% fall in energy prices. The Eurozone's unemployment rate remains unchanged at 7.4%. BMW and Daimler separately announced new vehicles they said would cut the average carbon emissions of the cars they sell by 20%. BMW's i4 electric coupe was supposed to have been unveiled at the Geneva Motor Show, which was cancelled because of COVID-19. Daimler said its new line would help cut carbon, but called electrification a headwind to profitability. And Thermo Fisher, an American scientific instruments maker, announced it will buy Kyagen, a Dutch medical diagnostics company, in a deal worth $11.5 billion. Thermo Fisher wants to expand its disease testing capabilities. Kyagen produces test kits for COVID-19, which could prove a lucrative source of income over the coming months. And now, here's today's agenda. Blocked? EU Climate Plans Today, the European Commission will present a law to turn the European Union's ambitious climate goals to reach net-zero carbon emissions by 2050 into concrete proposals. It is an early test for Ursula von der Leyen, the new Commission President. Worries are already surfacing about which of the 27 members might weaken or even kill the plan. Eastern Europeans, notably the Polish, note that Westerners got rich on carbon emissions and see themselves as being made to pay the bill. Their objections could possibly be bought off if enough cash were found. But a bigger opponent might be found in Mrs. von der Leyen's home country. Germany has for years been the EU's toughest fiscal hawk. It worries that other countries might be tempted to splash out on pet projects relabeled as green using the climate goals as an excuse to bust through deficit-limiting rules. Much haggling remains before Europe's green dream becomes a real deal. BB back on top after Israel's election. With nearly all the votes in Israel's parliamentary election now counted, it is clear that Binyamin Netanyahu has scored an impressive comeback. The corruption-mired Prime Minister failed to form a government after two elections in 2019. Now his Likud party is once again the largest in the country's parliament, and his coalition of right-wing and religious parties probably lacks only two seats for an overall majority. But while Mr. Netanyahu's brilliant and ruthless campaign has put him back on top of the political pile, his troubles are not over. His trial for bribery and fraud, charges which he denies, begins on March 17th. Opposition parties, while lacking the unity to form a government of their own, still hold a tiny majority. So they will try to deny Mr. Netanyahu both an outright victory and a new law which would enable him to evade justice. Israel's political deadlock remains for now. TURNAROUND TUESDAY – BIDEN WINS BIG Joe Biden pulled off a stunning recovery on Super Tuesday when more than a third of the delegates who will pick the Democratic presidential nominee in July were divvied up. The former vice president, whose campaign had been re-energised by a thumping win in South Carolina and the endorsements of three former rivals, took first place in a string of southern states. Only days earlier, he seemed certain to be left in the dust by Bernie Sanders. As Espresso was published, the socialist senator from Vermont looked likely to win California, one of two states with the biggest delegate halls. He may also win Texas, the other. Mike Bloomberg, a tycoon turned mayor of New York, had a bad evening. His campaign said he would decide whether to stay in the race when all the votes were counted. Senator Elizabeth Warren was disappointed too, poised to finish third in her home state of Massachusetts. Trying again Germany's Fractured Politics. One month ago, the East German state of Thuringia upended national politics. The trouble began when the state's centre-right Christian Democrats voted with the hard-right alternative for Germany, AFD, previously considered untouchable, to thwart Bodo Ramilov from taking office as state premier. The ensuing firestorm cost Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer her job as the CDU's leader and caused a national bout of soul-searching over how to handle the AFD. A repeat of this fiasco is not expected when Mr Ramelow from the ex-communist Left Party seeks election again today, but it remains far from clear how matters will proceed. His proposed coalition, which includes Social Democrats and Greens, is four votes shy of a parliamentary majority. The CDU's national platform prohibits its politicians from enabling governments that include the Left Party. Amid the confusion there is talk of dirty tricks, party rebellions and parliamentary walkouts. Thuringia may find itself making national headlines again. Ailing Australia's economy. A version of the old saying goes that when China sneezes, Australia catches a cold. But Australia's China-dependent economy was languishing even before the spread of Covid-19. The Reserve Bank started slashing interest rates last year and did so again yesterday to 0.5%, the lowest they have ever been. Figures released today show that the economy ended 2019 in slightly better shape than economists had forecast. Its health has since deteriorated. This summer's awful bushfires, which peaked in January, disrupted tourism and construction. More significantly, travel bans to prevent the transmission of COVID-19 have shut out many of the Chinese students and tourists that Australia depends upon. Exports of everything from beef to lobster have been stalled by the virus. The next set of figures could well show that the economy is contracting. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Nikolai Gogol, who passed away on this day in 1852. It is no use to blame the looking glass if your face is awry. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast.